and welcome to Skynet Today's Last Week in AI podcast, where you can hear AI researchers chat about what's going on with AI. As usual, in this episode, we'll provide summaries and discussion of last week's most interesting AI news. You can also check out our Last Week in AI newsletter, linked to at lastweekinai.com, for articles we did not cover in this episode. And before we start, if you have any feedback or thoughts about our podcast, feel free to email us at contact at lastweekinai.com. We would love to hear from you. And I'm one of your co-hosts, Dr. Sharon Joe. And I'm your other co-host, Andrei Kerenkov. And in this episode, we'll be talking about procedural storytelling for games, how Twitch is using machine learning to detect suspicious users, some research from DeepMind on helping mathematicians, and some research on competing biases, the new project by Timna Jebru, uh, killer robots, and finally, a fun art project. So to start, let's go ahead and look into our applications and business news stories, starting with procedural storytelling is exploding the possibilities of video game narratives from The Verge. Basically, this article is kind of an overview of the concept of procedural storytelling in games where, you know, instead of having a pre-written script, there is um, kind of an algorithm, let's say, to generate um, improvised stories that kind of have a similar structure, but the stuff that happens changes every time. And this article goes over that and some recent examples of um, games that use it. And these games, it's not obvious. Maybe it, it can be seen as a simple form of AI. It's, it's something that is researched a lot in AI. But we've also seen things like AI Dungeon recently that use sophisticated AI to do procedural storytelling. So it's, it's a neat topic to be aware of, for sure. I think this is super cool. So procedural storytelling, for those who don't know, is when you're playing a game, um, a lot of, you know, oftentimes a game is like fully already, uh, the order of events is already there. Um, the form of the events uh, has already been uh, designed. But for a procedural generation, that's not the case. Like you might get something vastly different from um, from me when I'm playing it. Um, and it all depends. It unfolds as you play it. Um, and I think... Uh, what's exciting about this is that we can kind of see like, okay, these like actual indie games are um, taking this on and doing pretty good at, at that. And on the other end um, is AI, something like AI Dungeon, which is using complete AI. And I feel like there's probably a meeting in the middle or, you know, more AI that will be used for something like this um, as we reduce, you know, constraints on what can be procedurally generated. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I also quite enjoy the concept and, and think it's interesting. Kind of core to games in general is sort of a sort of emergent gameplay where, you know, even if it's not a narrative per se, stuff happens that, you know, you can tell other people about that's, you know, interesting or or fun. You know, you play GTA and sometimes some, some crazy stuff comes together and, and it's pretty funny. Uh, but it's interesting in this article, they highlight how there have been just in the past year in 2020, two of these games, uh, Wildermyth and Unexplored 2, that, you know, are a very strong example of uh, games that, you know, rely on uh, these procedural storytelling concepts. Uh, so, yeah, I was not aware of these games. I'm excited to see them, maybe even play them. 
And I'm excited to see possibly ideas from AI, uh, you know, be used to maybe uh, drive the genre forward and make it more common. Absolutely. And our next article is Twitch introduces machine learning feature to detect suspicious users. So Twitch has been having a difficult time um, as, you know, more people are using Twitch. Uh, but also this rough year has also uh, has come with um, a lot of hate raids, a lot of streamer abuse, unfortunately, um, a lot of you know bad behavior on the platform um, and moderating it has been pretty challenging. Um, and, uh, the, the company has now, um, come out with a, a new way of dealing with this. And it is to, uh, flag suspicious users who, you know, might be, uh, malicious or something like that, uh, within the platform. Um, and I think, uh, this kind of moderation and this kind of, you know, like hate raids, um, have occurred across a lot of these different platforms. Uh, zoom, for example, zoom bombing is a whole thing. Um, so it's, it's not, it's not surprising that this has been a problem. Um, but it's great to see how they have, uh, come out with, with some, some kind of, uh, solution, uh, where they essentially, um, uh, flag certain users. Yeah, exactly. I think this is a great uh, use of AI. They they call this new system the suspe- suspicious user detection system. And basically on a live basis, as you have a chat, which is what Twitch has, you have a running sort of discussion instead of just posts. The moderator or the streamer can see this uh, model classify certain comments as maybe being likely to be uh, bad. And then that comment is actually hidden uh, that then needs to be kind of approved by the streamer or the mod. There's also possible marking where, um, you know, um, they, there's kind of less hidden and it, this will be turned on by default um, for all streamers. So it's interesting. They are really confident at this. And of course, AI-driven moderation is common. It's used in Facebook and really probably every site. Uh, but this sort of live chat uh, thing maybe is pretty novel and I think uh, very useful for sure. Yeah, I mean, on the one hand, they're rolling it out to everyone because uh, they want to make sure that the, they make a safe space, the Twitch a safe space. Uh, but on the other hand, they also do, they're very transparent in that they warn that there might be growing pains um, for the machine learning algorithm to be accurate um, and that there might be some false positives and negatives, um, which is great. I think that they released that statement. Definitely. Yeah. And uh, this article notes that especially this feature could help streamers who are women or people of color who presumably have probably worse things turn up in their chat. So, yeah, I I think it's a great development and, and really cool. Moving on to discussing some research, we have some exciting new stuff from DeepMind. And this article is DeepMind's AI helps untangle the mathematics of knots. So this is about the recent paper, Advancing Mathematics by Guiding Human Intuition with AI, that was released in Nature. And basically, uh, it presents two use cases where kind of similar techniques were used to detect some possible patterns in different um, 
studies of math. So there was one in the theory of knots and the other in the study of symmetries. And this uh, machine learning model basically looked at a lot of different knots, a lot of different symmetries, something like that. I don't really understand, but it, it looked at a lot of kind of options, found some things that correlate or, or seem related, and then presented some sort of theorem or conjecture that then a human mathematician could use to discover something novel. And it, apparently it has led to some discoveries. So it's, yeah, pretty exciting. I think this is super exciting. This is where, you know, these models are going to start helping with um, science uh, and moving moving these fields forward, not just by being better at predicting, but actually by supporting humans um, and experts in particular. Um, so I think this is super exciting stuff. Um, and yeah, I'm excited to see where this goes and whether we'll make some serious breakthroughs in, in math moving forward. For sure. And I think it's also interesting kind of as a trend. So this paper came about through a collaboration between, you know, DeepMind, but also uh, some people at Oxford who are not theorists. So it was a collaboration from the start between mathematicians and these AI developers. Uh, which we've seen DeepMind do before. Recently, we talked about weather forecasting, where we collaborated with um, an organization focused on that. And uh, of course, uh, AlphaFold presumably had that. So cool to see this sort of trend where they are doing applied research uh, across disciplines and, and are getting really cool results. And I think math is a pretty like just like programming um pretty nice in that you can verify certain things um and you you could say like hey this proof actually does um is is valid um and and you can go through through um through that with with math and with code you was like this program can actually run um i think with other things it'll be a little more challenging but it's still very exciting to see um ai seep into things like this yeah, this is also exciting because it's a, a new way, at least in math, for humans to collaborate with AI, where the AI um, just presents some conjectures that may or may not be true uh, based on looking at a, a whole bunch of patterns. And then mathematicians can take some conjecture and then attempt to write a proof to then, you know, make sure it's true. So yeah, it's, it's good to see like AI is not taking over math research. Uh, and I think as with most things, it's more about how humans can work alongside AI. Exactly. And on to our next article, Yale researchers combat biases in machine learning algorithms. Uh, so this article is uh, based on uh, the paper Eliminating Latent Discrimination, Train Then Mask. Uh, and so this is an, uh, one study, an attempt to make machine learning more quote unquote objective um, while still training on uh, inherently biased training data. Um, and so the method is basically uh, masking out sensitive features so that there are indistinguishable values for every individual on those features. So what that means is they'll first train actually the model on all data, and then the masking happens afterwards, and they mask out uh, features like uh, age or race, um, so that each sample, each data sample, actually 
uh, could have the same, you know, age or race um, and and have to do that prediction task there. Um, while this reduces accuracy, it does improve with fairness. Um, and uh, re the researchers said this also works uh, for uh, especially simple models in, in a provable way. Um, and yeah, I think this is, you know, great work. I, I have actually feel like I've seen things that are quite similar to this um, and that do also have this trend of reducing accuracy, um, uh, unfortunately still. But um, but yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. On this? Yeah. As you said, it's, it's neat to see an algorithm um, for this, especially one that's so intuitive. Uh, of course, this is a whole area of study. And I'm so, someone not in that area. I don't know much about what's going on. So it was neat to see this article. This is from Yale Daily News. And actually, this paper came out a few years ago. So I'm not sure why <laughs> they wrote it up just now. Uh, but uh, yeah, I think, as you said, since then, presumably similar techniques and new techniques have been developed. Uh, and yeah, I think it's also kind of good for people outside of AI research to kind of be made aware of these sorts of efforts because I think it's becoming more and more kind of understood that AI leads to prejudice and bias and sort of problematic things. And, you know, we're working on it. So the community is working on it. We haven't quite cracked it, but uh, we're trying to. And moving on to discussing some other things relating to ethics and society more broadly. First of all, we have the new story, ex-Googler Timnit Gebru starts her own AI research center. And this one is written up by Wired. So as the title implies, this is all about a new initiative, a new research center by uh, Timnit Gebru, who uh, I guess infamously uh, was um, fired from Google a year ago, actually almost exactly a year, a year ago over a paper she co-wrote having to do with some of the ethical implications of things related to Google's research. And this was a big story. We covered it, I think, uh, more than a couple times. And generally, it was, it was kind of a big deal. So now uh, it has been announced that her current initiative is this Distributed AI Research Institute, or DARE, which is uh, basically designed to be independent of big tech, uh, funded by sort of nonprofits and foundations. And also, as the name says, distributed in the sense of kind of not necessarily just in one area like Silicon Valley, but instead incorporating um, research and researchers from different backgrounds and throughout the world with the hope to basically um, have their background to know sort of which um, areas to focus on and, and where AI can be helpful. So yeah, this this is definitely exciting to hear about. Uh, what what did you think about it, Sharon? Finally, <laughs> <laughs> I was really excited for her to do this like right after um, uh, she got fired. But uh, I, I actually, I think it's even better that it's like the anniversary because I know a lot went on in between as well. Um, and I'm very excited, uh, yeah, to see her spearhead this organization and, um, actually make change that like she, she's, she's been working on or tried to work on at some of these companies. Right. Um, so 
I'm very excited to see where this goes. Yeah, and, and just and yeah, and, and just to comment a bit more on her background, in case you're not aware, uh, her research focuses on AI ethics and sort of problems that arise out of um, misuses of AI and then how it is applied. So in some ways, it's pretty opposed to big tech like Google and Facebook, which are really pushing on uh, AI and sometimes deploying it before it's really safe. Uh, there's been, I think, guess rumblings about this sort of thing happening, I think, for a few months. And, and Timnit has been kind of giving talks and so on this year. But now the details are out and there's a whole press release. And actually, the first published research from this uh, institute is now being presented at NeurIPS, uh, a paper called Constructing a Visual Dataset to Study the Effects of Spatial Apartheid in South Africa. Uh, so yeah, it's it's pretty exciting. It it's pretty different from what exists as an institute, sort of independent of both academia and industry, and it makes a lot of sense for this field of AI ethics to sort of try to steer these big companies in a better direction. So exciting to see what happens next with this. Absolutely. And on to our next article, U.S. rejects calls for regulating or banning, quote, killer robots. Okay, so um, the U.S., uh, this very spicy clickbaity title, uh, the U.S. uh, has, in fact, um, uh, rejected those calls uh, and instead proposed a code of conduct at the United Nations. Um, And uh, I think it's... um, you know, it was at this uh, a meeting in Geneva that was uh, for the UN to focus on finding common ground on the use of these lethal autonomous weapons. Um, and uh, one U.S. official actually thought uh, it was ridiculous to regulate their use through a legally binding um, uh agreement. Um, and so I guess, uh, we're getting killer robots. <laughs> um, oh, I think, I, I mean, I think this is going to be, um, you know, like nuclear weapons potentially where there will be, you know, some, it'll be frozen. If everyone has it, you know, then no one can use it kind of thing. Um, but yeah, I don't think, I, I think it's basically where we're going to have them. And I mean, the military is obviously working on it very actively, so. Yeah, yeah. So this is not necessarily surprising. Uh, This term killer robots actually is sort of the, um, you know, um, kind of um, euphemism or or a different way to phrase a more technical term, which is lethal autonomous weapons. And yeah, basically the U.S. is saying we don't want laws, we want a non-binding code of conduct, which is not too surprising, although they're not the only ones. Also, India and uh, a number of countries criticized this idea of a legally binding agreement. And unsurprisingly, there's campaigners about regulation of these sorts of things. So there's actually an organization called the Campaign to Stop Kill Robots has been pretty active in the past decade and then pushing for this. And... Uh, yeah, I think I think it's sensible to be a bit pessimistic about this trend not happening. It seems pretty inevitable, sadly. Yeah. 
Well, onto our last article that is much more fun um, is who exactly authored this AI generated spin on Alfred Hitchcock's Vertigo? Okay, so uh, there uh, basically there's uh, this movie called Vertigo, and um, someone um, had an AI watch that movie, essentially going through all the frames, and then based on what it's learned, um, uh, what it's represented from that movie, generate um, uh, generate. Uh, additional parts of that movie or generate another film called Vertigo AI, um, which um, is based on, you know, learning or representing um, the Vertigo data set. Um, and uh, they they said that, you know, um, the generated things were going, the generated uh, content dialogue uh, was going off on wild tangents. Uh, that's obviously not super surprising given what we know about GPT models. Um, uh, and they uh, used things verbatim. So that, that was pretty, that was pretty uh, fun as well. Um, and so imagery and narration, um, all machine generated. Yeah. yeah, yeah, exactly. If you watch it, um, it's basically a bunch of frames from, let's say, like if you have a bad GAN, where it's just like splotches of colors and like very roughly the shape of a human, but it's like impressionist art. It's essentially five minutes of that with like you know, <laughs> shifting between different things and with a separate um, narration from, I guess, a language model. Uh, and yeah, this was by Los Angeles based artist, Chris Peters. So I'm not sure why, you know, his title is like, who, I guess it's yeah, implying that the sure AI, the AI, uh, uh yes. or something. Um, yeah. So I guess it's a fun experiment. Honestly, I don't, there's a lot of artists utilizing AI, uh, these days that have been doing it for a while. So this is. Um, not a very, let's say, interesting use of AI, I don't think. I wouldn't say it's anything like um, really intriguing art aside from the novelty. Uh, but it's, it's pretty fun. And uh, it's, it's a fun thing to take a look at if you want some sort of bizarre example of the uh, weird things that you can get from uh, AI and you know, how you can spin that into a five minute little film. Actually, this reminds me of something I've seen a while back, which is there are uh, these videos that people make where it is AI generated imagery that is made to create a music video. So basically the output it's, it's, you know, the sequential film where depending on the beat or sort of the music, uh, we get this interpolation of kind of the seed of the model. So it switches to these different visualizations. And that's actually really fun to see. It's, it's really interesting to see kind of sync to the music, the image jump from one abstract thing to another uh, in, in, yeah, uh, with AI, especially when it's so abstract, it's just kind of very neat. Um, and when it's synced to a music, it's kind of makes a new and I think more interesting <laughs> result to this thing. Yeah. Yeah, I could see that. That makes all TikTok videos seem more interesting, too. <laughs> um, Have you, uh, 
Do you have any examples of AI art that you found fun? I think you were just looking at AI weirdness, right? Yes, yes. There's so much weird stuff out there. I love, I've generated things from Mini Dolly that's been pretty fun of myself. And, you know, um, that's been interesting. Um, yeah, I also found it interesting. I think they only, uh, there were only 20 uh, epochs on this model. Uh, so that, that was interesting. I mean, I don't, I mean, many, probably many, many different frames. Um, but I wonder if it could, we could actually do a lot better. Um, but I think they wanted to probably limit compute. Um, yeah, yeah, the precise thing they did is kind of not stated. So it's unclear. Uh, presumably they just trained again and underfit. And so it produces these very abstract images that don't quite match to anything. But yeah, as you said, I think people playing around with VQGAN and CLIP uh, and GBD3 produce a lot of fun stuff that is not quite this high concept or, I don't know, artistic, but really fun. Right. And with that, thank you so much for listening to this week's episode of Scanner Today's Last Week in AI podcast. But before we go, please let us know any thoughts you have directly to our email, contact at lastweekinai.com. Uh, and you can find the articles we discussed here today and subscribe to our weekly newsletter with similar ones at lastweekinai.com. And subscribe to us wherever you get your podcasts. And do please give us a rating and a review in iTunes or wherever you do, maybe Spotify. Uh, it, it would help the show grow, I think. Uh, anyway, everyone says to do this. So <laughs> we also would like you to do it if you can. And be sure to tune in next week.